0: welcome back to tv on the incomparable network and we're going to talk about robot lions again welcome back to a discussion of voltron legendary defender season two My name's Chip Sutter, I host the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, and possibly something that's going to be coming up on the Incomparable Network in the future, that's a... Who knows? That's who knows indeed. But with me, last time we had a full Voltron Force, this time we've lost a couple of people into a rift, Uh, so let me reintroduce Moises Chuyan of the Incomparable Network and Electric Shadow Network.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi, I've stopped doing gimmicky hellos, I just... I say hello and it makes people feel uncomfortable because they're expecting me to do a voice or a, a line or something like that. I'm just not – I'm not that well-prepared anymore. I stopped that, doing
0: that. That's okay, Moises. I have faith in you. If I don't make it, I want you to lead this podcast.
1: <laughs> that, is, that is noble of you indeed. I, I don't think it will come to that. And how would we, how do we survive without your robot arm uh, guiding us?
0: Uh, also rejoining us from Season 1, it's Shannon Sutterth from The Audio Guide to Babylon 5 and Afoot and other stuff on the Incomparable Network.
2: Hola, freakies.
0: And joining us anew, talking about Voltron Legendary Defender for the first time on any podcast, but he's been writing about it a whole lot as associate editor at Nerdist, it's Kyle Anderson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on
3: this lovely guide through Robot Lions. It's... Uh... Uh, I, it's this is one of those shows that uh, nobody watches but me, <laughs> and it's great to be able to talk to people about
1: it. I nobody, I know pro- anyway.
0: I protest that statement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nobody but the other people who are on this podcast. <laughs> well, of course, now. I mean nobody. <laughs> we're all uh, outcasts in the same far off dimension of
2: space. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I've actually I, I've actually found myself talking Voltron to some of my students. There
1: it's, there be, it go. is beginning Target to be a thing.
2: thing. It's being I mean, a thing.
1: There there are toys at Target for this thing. In fact, I saw them at Target and I, I sent Chip a a picture message in the in the incomparable Slack and uh and got a very prompt, <laughs> Well I know where I'm going after work. Yeah, that was expensive. <laughs> trip. You, you
2: can't see me, but I'm holding a black lion right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this is going to be covering season two of Voltron. We'll talk a little bit about the first season as well at the opening, so we're not leaping immediately into spoiler space, but we're going to spill a fair bit fairly early. So be aware. Go
2: watch. Just go watch now. We'll be here.
1: And and how should they watch Moises? I, I think that just watching it all the way through. The 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 beautiful thing about. Not only season one, but what has carried through to season two. And as I think we've retroactively found out, they they got a 78 episode deal. Yes. So we're going to get like six seasons of Voltron. They aren't having to uh, hedge their bets against abruptly being canceled or something like that. So the narrative doesn't have any filler. It doesn't have any needless, um, you know, uh, pacing thrown in to spread out and stretch out what they're doing. Uh, you know, there, there are bad things that happen that, uh, that set our heroes off, uh, in the wrong direction from where they would like to be going. Sure. That's conflict. That's essential for drama. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about the show is it just really just keeps, uh, ratcheting up the action and the adventure and, uh, and goes from, from front to back really, really nicely. So if you have not watched season one, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this? Pause this. Come back to this. I don't know, uh, a weekend from now um, after <laughs> yeah. just hitting play on Netflix and letting Netflix do what it does best, which is forcibly shove content through your eyeballs.
0: <laughs> Kyle, at Nerdist.com, you have made a very strong statement about the quality of Voltron Legendary Defender. Yes. Would you please repeat that, sir? Uh,
1: you're, yeah, you're co- well... You're covering this thing like like a season of of, of a Shakespeare company doing the war of the roses.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, um, the best thing about this is that like, um, well, anyway, I was, to get to Chip's point early on, I think this is one of the best uh, shows that has been produced on Netflix or or is kind of on TV right now in terms of storytelling, uh, animated or otherwise. I, I think this is is such good storytelling um, and it works on so many levels in terms of uh, uh, narrative pacing and also but there's, you know, great comedy and it works for families and it works for grownups. I think it's just a, a fantastic piece of television um and and it works as Moises was saying as a as an unfolding narrative that kind of just keeps going it keeps propelling you from one episode to the next um but what i love about it so much is that uh or, or at least what, what i had to write about it is that i had to write about all of these episodes so quickly because of the nature of netflix being dropped uh so <laughs> i basically was writing uh two or three of these a day for the first few days that that it was out and and you sort of like you reached the point where you feel like you're, uh, I don't know what, like a, like a shaman telling people stories about things that haven't happened in centuries and things like that. It's, it's like you're, uh, uh, a historian kind of thing. It was very, it was a very strange and surreal experience. Anybody who's ever reviewed television, uh, regularly, you usually do it once a week, not all 13 episodes in a four-day span um so it was it was interesting and and also i mean back to my earlier comment about nobody watches this but me but nobody in the office did and so they were just like we're gonna just assume as they were editing this we're just gonna assume that everything you're saying is correct (laughs) we have no idea (laughs) who these people are and when you say optimus prime showed up (laughs) yeah they, they would have been like i guess sure i guess that makes sense but you know it's like the there, everything has a name, and everything has like you know, uh, you know, the Galra fleet attacks the, uh, uh, you know, it, it attacks the castle ship. All this stuff. It was very funny to have to because it because it does really read like both a a big a great epic space opera, but also kind of like you know high fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of those are the worlds that it, uh, uh, it cohabitates in.
0: Yeah, I'm skimming through the Wikipedia episode listings, and it's like Game of Thrones written by ten year olds.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but kind of, when you are yeah. really, really brilliant, way ahead of their time, 10 year olds, <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I, I really liked uh, Kyle about your, your recaps, which I, I, I decided, well, I'm going to prep for this thing. You know what? They made Kyle write all this stuff up. So why don't I just read Kyle's recaps? Oh, bless um, you, sir. Th- they're fantastic. <laughs> um, but one of the, one of the things that I, I, I enjoyed seeing you sing the praises of uh, is the, is the producer, the producing team on this, which in the previous episode on season one that we did about this, we pointed out, these are the core of people. These are the great yeah. people. These are the people to be praised. There should be altars made uh, to these producers <laughs> because they really know what they're doing. You know, they hire they hire a voice director like Andrea Romano who really knows what she's doing. They yeah. know that she's worth what she's being paid. Uh, they're not just gonna you know pull in some guy who you know thinks he's suddenly a voice director because he's you know directed animation for however many years and thinks he knows everything about drama. You know, part part of what really ties it all together is that the people running this show are doing everything the right way. And they're really running with the fact that Netflix, at least at this stage, is pretty much telling everybody do whatever you want and they're not being lazy about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out, uh, I'm Kyle, I don't remember if you said it in your recaps or on Twitter, but um, you made the point of um, comparing Voltron and saying it was right up there with Batman, the animated series. Absolutely. And yeah. God, yes. God, yes. Uh, from <laughs> the continuity Laying in, as Moises said, they had the they got the full commitment for a long story arcs that they could plant things in from the beginning and know that they could pay them off later. Um, the characterizations, which I'm just going to go nuts about in a little while when we get into more detail, um, the the style, you know, that has this really great unique style that calls back to Japanese animation without. Um, going overboard with it. Yeah. Uh, they've got just the right touches of silliness. They've got some of the most gorgeous action shots. I mean, there's times I go back and play, replay a fight scene just because the animation of that action is so beautiful. Um, so yes, I totally agree with you. This has got to be one of the best animated shows, um, one of the best shows that I've come across in a long time. It, yeah, and it's it.
1: something it's something that I sometimes have I, 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 you know, talking to my wife, talking to many people, I find myself saying, no, you really should watch this. Like if you if you are the type of adult who is still OK watching cartoons, even though cartoons <laughs> are for kids, uh, this is really good stuff. And, and for me, what what a lot of us have seen with series that were uh, using the word adapted uh, adapted adapted anime uh, where an anime series was taken a bunch of Americans who didn't speak any Japanese decided to just overdub it and make up a story that seemed to work with the visuals (laughs) in a lot of those cases what they've done in going back to those properties unlike Voltron is just go back and say all right well, we're just going to redub and re-release the original show and Voltron has taken the mythology that was created in that paste it together. Let's kind of figure it out as, as we go along. Uh, you know, we're, we don't exactly know the language, so let's, let's take this show and this other show and paste them together and make it a franchise. They've, they've just gone with that, uh, that sort of pasted together collage um, sort of mythos and cherry picked the specific things that actually would work if you had something more than uh, probably at the time they had like a six or eight month turnaround to just Get it out the door and throw it together uh, for for syndicated airing back with the original Voltron series. Uh, and, and I like that these producers have gone in and said, yeah, uh, we're going to make it count. We're going to make it enjoyable for people who are... Um, I'm not going to call Chip and Shannon dangerously obsessive about the original show, uh, but you know maybe maybe that would be semi-accurate about some people who are fans of the original Voltron. Um, make it make it reward people who really loved the original Voltron series, and equally as inviting to people who don't know Voltron from Adam.
0: It hits the same sweet spot for me as Doctor Who in the sense that it's a family show. It's not adult mm-hmm. anime. It's not Akira. And it's not a kids' show. It's it hits it hits pretty much all three uh, all, all three targets. Wouldn't you all say?
3: I would. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. It's absolutely it's, the the level of storytelling in this is so, is so much higher than. And this is the kind of thing like when I was a kid. And this is a, the. Uh, comparison to Batman the animated series again is that the the tone they never talk down to the audience they actually they talk up to the audience because the audience is smart uh, no matter how old they are they're going to understand these are kind of universal things good and evil but there's also a lot of nuance in there and, and part of what I really love about this series is that it, it gives each of the characters um, a room to grow but also gives them a very clear and kind of definite path to take and so they're very easy to latch onto to um, you know Lance and Hunk and Uh, Pidge are very easily like you can kind of any kid or anybody could watch them and say, oh, I know what kind of person they are, what you know, where they're coming from. But they also have deeper layers that we haven't fully explored yet. And so I like that um, in that that would be something that if I were a kid watching this, I would pick up on that uh, or, you know, probably eventually pick up on is that like these these are these are feel like much more realistic people as opposed to just straight up cartoons, even though there are times when they are very cartoonish.
1: I like that the comic tone, you know, it's okay for things to be funny and ridiculous in the same way that, you know, going back to your comparison to Batman the Animated Series... There would occasionally be either a completely ridiculous plot, a completely ridiculous villain, a uh, twist to the story, something like that. But it was still enjoyable and not just, OK, come on. All right. This is I mean, this is like yeah. watching Dragon Train. Please, for the love of God, get this away from my eyes. And, th- you know, the, the initial premise going back to season one where it's, yeah, there are these giant flying robot space lions and they shoot lasers and have cannons that magically appear on them and blow stuff up. And then they form a giant robot and pull out a sword and cut things in half. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of weird and out there, but that's, that's heightened, you know, speculative fiction reality. Um, that that's extended to a lot of the plots that we saw in season two, where other shows would really, again, go for the filler button and go, let's, let's just create a bottle episode and, you know, tie something up for as long as we can with just some, you know, okay. Some, some ridiculous thing that, that keeps the cast apart from each other. Um, in this case, yeah, it keeps the cast apart from each other and there's stuff they have to surmount and, and, uh, and get past to, to reunite and get together and go after the real threat. But it isn't something that feels, you know, cheap and uh, like there's no nutrition to it. There's nutrition in every single episode, even though some of them may feel detached from the bigger, broader narrative. We get that level of, of character development. Regardless of what the individual focus of a particular episode is, and if there if there is anybody that animation producers in Hollywood should be ripping off or taking notes on specifically, it is this team um, mm-hmm. more than anybody.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry they they actually they made me enjoy mall cop references. I hate the concept of mall cop, and yet <laughs> you know the the things they throw in for the the younger adult and up audience, the stuff we recognize just especially this second season just thrilled me, whether it was the you know 80s teen mall situation, Paul Blart, um, fantastic voyage. <laughs> you know start, you start swimming through this giant creature, yeah, escape from Alcatraz, all of these things that they throw in there were just extra bits of delight on what is already a solid, strong, nuanced and thoroughly enjoyable story.
1: Yep. It's because the references aren't so heavily um, reliant on hanging lanterns on stuff. Of by the mm-hmm. way, this is specifically a reference to specifically this mall cop kind of thing. Right. This is just us playing in the mall cop genre. And please, 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 do not bring the words pulp Lord into this. We're, yep. we're okay. doing our own mall, mall cop thing, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, and you know, it's it's not going to be like a like an Illumination Entertainment movie beating you over the head with something.
0: Yep. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I was just waiting to see when somebody would catch that I was doing that. Um, Shannon, One of the uh, best things in that. that, I love
3: that episode so much.
0: (laughs) Shannon, I'll give you a last chance to say something about the show in general before we segue into talking about season two in specific.
2: It is masterfully crafted. It is doing such a good job of... Um, taking advantage of the room it 's being given, building on things uh, when we get into season two you know i 'll point out some specific things that you know you don 't realize until you like go back and rewatch season one after watching season two to be like, "Oh yeah, they really did that i 'm going to give a shout out before we get into more details into uh, we mentioned Andrea Romano and we mentioned the production team, the voice cast, the voices, the actors who are producing these voices are doing such a good job bringing these characters to life. Uh, I really and thoroughly enjoy all of the performances that they are able to give uh, to bring these characters to life. So when
0: I was watching season one for the first time, you know, those of you who've listened to the previous episode, you know that uh, I, 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 I was really, really happy just about all the way through. I think I remember saying that there were a couple of things that happened here and there that felt... You know, shortcuts. This is a show for kids and all this other stuff that, you know, every once in a while it felt like they would make some narrative leaps that weren't terribly logical, but they simply move the story along. Welcome to season two, everybody, when everything appears to have a reason. And every, <laughs> and, and every supposed plot hole or convenience in season one seems to have an explanation. They're like the Cylons. They have a plan.
2: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. To, to go back and listen, I did not pick up until I started poking my head into the fan fiction areas. That's Just so how,
1: dangerous. So oh, dangerous.
2: I love it. <laughs> I love it. But the the notion of keith uh, are we are we full on season 2 now
1: yes yeah,
2: I, okay so, I think so um but the idea of keith having some kind of alien blood some kind of galra blood uh was jumped on by various fans and speculated on and written about all over the place and it was season 1 very clearly dropped The clues from Keith being the one to sense that there was something weird in the desert and go looking for it. You have the um, offhanded him opening or closing a panel uh, of Galra tech on the Balmera when it seems to have been established that you have to have like an actual Galra hand to do that. And, you know, then, of course, Zarkon, you know, that was a lampshade. Zarkon, you fight like a Galra. And we find out three episodes into this one that there is a connection of some sort. Because Keith sees a knife that we saw at the end of season one uh, with a certain insignia. And then we find out that the knife he's been carrying the entire time has the same insignia. And then we get into this obsession with him. Um, I've seen um, some complaints here and there in fandom about the season feeling out of balance because it was so Keith-centric. That's somewhat fair. On the other hand, I think it's just because we got a bit of a double whammy. Um, in our first season, we had uh, a character reveal when Pidge um, admitted that, you know, she was a girl disguised as a boy to try and get into the garrison. We had character development in other places, especially Hunk, you know, going through his um, voyage on the Balmera and developing his purpose to be part of Ultron and to help fight the Galer Empire. This season, we got both development for Keith As the notion of him taking over for Shiro is planted in the first episode by Shiro. And we see Keith showing leadership potential uh, throughout the series in bits and pieces. Um, And we also get the reveal that apparently somewhere on his mom's side, there was a purple alien somewhere. So I think that's part of the reason that, you know, some people are like, well, this has been all about Keith. And it's like, no, there were other bits. We got to see Lance finally show that he actually worries about whether he's doing a good enough job. We see uh, Alora. The the show was willing to go negative as well as positive and show weaknesses in these characters. For Allura to suddenly go stone cold on Keith, because of the revelation that he was Galra, something that he did not know, something that was not his fault, that was a really ugly thing for her to show, and they weren't afraid to show it. And then, of course, you know, give the give her the opportunity to realize what an idiot she's being and uh, apologize to him. Shiro getting his journey to um to totally claim the connection to the black lion and to help sever uh Zarkon's influence completely. Um uh, so there are there were things going on. There were things that the other characters got to do. You know, it it wasn't just Keith. Um I think everybody got some focus. We had, you know, Pidge discovering her lion in uh the Greening of the Cube episode, her lion's power um we got more of the Galra. I mean, you know, the, the the Galra as race, as character, turns out to be multifaceted. There are factions. Yeah. There are people fighting against Zarkon with just as much honor and ferocity as, as the Voltron uh, force is doing. It's just, oh, there's so much. There's so much. The, They're doing th- such a good job.
1: There, there's so much. Uh, you know, people complained about there being too much focus on one character. I think that he had the furthest to go and grow and change and develop Mm -hmm. this season. And, you know, I I think, I think those criticisms are misplaced by people who wish they were animation producers or storytellers (laughs) who, you know, could, could expend the same amount of effort making something of their own. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, there is, there is so much texture that's been added to every character in the cast. Yes. And going back to the original Voltron series, shiro characterization what series that? well in, in 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 that show, who is Shiro in this show was Sven in that show, and he was effectively fridged like off the bat almost comparatively and just kind of sidelined and they 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 didn't give in to the impulse to just kind of flesh out the existing framework that was there. they took the existing framework that was there, tore out everything, and rebuilt everything uh, around. Like you said, much stronger characterization of the Galra as a people. They're not just uh, different skin colored aliens uh, taking the place of an ethnic minority that, uh, that exists in modern day United States America, like is so often the trend in science fiction and animation where... The the ethnic other is effectively just dressed up in funny ears and ridges on a forehead uh, and, you know, go, goes through goes through just, just being kind of the placeholder for, well, we can't really say this about the Russians or uh, black people uh, or, you know, Japanese people or whatever. Uh, the Galra are a fully fleshed out culture that has subcultures within it that isn't just that kind of old style science fiction, speculative fiction, you know, placeholder for something that, you know, honestly would wear on me as a kid as as it, does nobody else get how incredibly blatant and downright offensive some of this is you know th- these yeah. these guys with these ears are supposed to effectively be chinese people or uh you know something along those lines that's not even citing a specific example because they're too many to think of and i would i would get upset and uh and we're having fun here um <laughs> <laughs> that, the, you know, the, the the thing the thing that's great about this show is there are these uh tremendous stakes but at the same time it's not afraid to be ultimately very very personal where we get small moments moments of character growth, we get big moments of character growth. Nothing feels like there's a checklist that's being checked off. Just in those first few episodes, where we've lost everybody and need to bring them back together, we don't make that like an, an artificial barrier to moving the plot forward either. It's just, uh, yeah, I, that's that that's that's kind of my my general overarching blathering about season two and why <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
3: What I really loved about this season, and it, it makes much more sense now knowing that uh, we're going to get seventy-eight episodes, is that this season really felt like they were moving towards something. It looked, you know, obviously there was an ending, uh, there was a, you know a final battle type of thing, but it was much more. the The Voltron team was very much on its heels. Uh, one of my favorite things in the first season is how how much they held back uh, mm-hmm. the actual creation of Voltron. Uh, they Some only used simply
2: Volt- required, yes,
3: right. <laughs> it, it took quite a while for them to actually form Voltron. And then once they did after a couple episodes, uh, they went off on their own and kind of thing. This one there's, we start out and they're all separated. And then toward the end, they have to go off and do their, their, you know, kind of separate missions, which I think is great. Um, but there's that point. Most of the, uh, the middle section, they have to form Voltron every week. And I was going, Oh, are they kind of just falling into the trap of, Hey, we have Voltron. We should use it. No, they're not They're They, this was an example of like, uh, in the first season, they were like, we don't need to form Voltron unless we absolutely need to do it in terms of storytelling. And in this one, they made it so we had to form Voltron. And in, in all of those episodes, there was none. Uh, the The stakes were so much higher because they were, you know, so close to extinction. Essentially, like the good guys could have been wiped out at any moment. And it only it they had to kind of form uh, together in order to do this. And it, it was even forming Voltron that was part of the problem um, with the the connection to the Black Line and everything like that. So that was one of my favorite things about the season as a whole is that it it brought everybody together and then took them apart again. But then they had To like out of desperation, they were like, We just have to keep you know plugging away and fighting, and it really felt like at times that before we even knew that there was going to be a third season, although I kind of had my suspicions. I I have a feeling
1: they've already recorded all seventy-eight episodes of content.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're. I bet you're right. Actually, Uh, they they were really cagey about it. You know, the first season, uh, they were they really held back on on telling us whether or not we were going to get a second season. They for a couple months actually, I think, and then there was was such a long time between the uh, first and second season, and now it's like we're going to get a third season later this year, which I'm very excited about. Oh yes. Um, So, uh, anyway, that was kind of a long winded way to say that, like, they are pacing themselves. Um, and so like any kind of, uh, thing like Shannon was saying, like, it did seem like Keith was kind of at the forefront in this one, whereas in the first season, everybody kind of got their due a little bit more, but that's only because this is only the second chunk of what will be a six chunk story arc. And if you need to set up Keith as being the new leader, you have to kind of big up him a little bit more. Um, and that was stuff that I I thought really worked and, and kind of, you know, the the rivalry between Lance and Keith was such a big part of season one. And I think they obviously was still there in season two, but I they started to see eye to eye a little bit more, which is going to be very important uh, going forward. And, you know, um, I said this in the first season to 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 the nobody who was listening to me at the time about it, that I thought that. Every single one of the characters could have been the lead of their own show if if it was a different type yeah. of show. Mm-hmm. Um and in this season some characters got to come to the forefront. I feel like Pidge kind of got sidelined a little bit more than she should have. But I would imagine because they set up those little things where, oh, she found a little bit more about her family. Right. So next season, I would imagine we're going to get a lot more of Pidge right. trying to find her family and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they're right. they're taking their time, which, God yeah. help me, I think is one of the best things you can do in telling stories.
0: The one character who I think has not been super well served the last two seasons is Lance, who's, got, who, who, who's, who's sort of had a shtick. And he's uh, he's sort of been the comedy relief. and I guess he's the sharpshooter now, but he's like <laughs> the most he's the most fertile ground, I would think, for future seasons.
2: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. his turn's coming.
1: I like seeing Jeremy Shada actually grow into it. being being so deeply associated with Finn from Adventure Time, getting to see him uh, play a part where I, I know that we're going to get it. I know that we're going to get there. I know that he's going to eventually not just be the goofy, sticky uh, sidekick comic relief kind of guy. I know that we're gonna get there, and I, I like that we got notes uh, indicating that we're we're headed there. We'll get there, just not quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I I can't wait for it, but of course I'm I'm assuming that that that's the direction that we're going. But they've done an exceptionally good job of of telegraphing without you know giving us an outline of well, and then this is gonna happen, and then in about seven episodes this is gonna happen, and twelve more episodes this is gonna happen. Uh, you know I, I feel like I feel like I trust the direction that they're leading us in, not because things are super obvious but because it feels like they're earning each of the character beats going forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go around the table a little bit and let's talk about uh favorite episodes and I'm going to steal the, my favorite episode um it, this is not a draft, but uh, i, I, well, it's I turning want to, <laughs> into
1: one all of a sudden Well,
0: I want to say this before anybody else does. I think uh the first episode of this season across the universe is one of the best adventure cartoons i have ever watched it's 23 minutes of gold i don't think any other episode this season matches it but that's as a that's a really really high bar it i i i i was watching that i was watching that slack jawed
1: (laughs) fight me
3: (laughs) what am i gonna say you know what
1: actually was terrible I I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, Kyle, Kyle, did they did they send you the first three episode screeners on this too? They or did. did you... Yes. Okay. Yes. So I I the the, the thing the thing that killed me. Was that I had these three episodes, and I, I was messaging Chip about it. I was like, I, 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 it's, it's killing me. I, there, there are so many answers that you get just in the first three episodes. I so was desperate are... for you to torpedo
0: your career there, Moises. I, no. I was desperate. <laughs> no,
1: no, because they track IP addresses, and my name's burned into it. And that's just, I'm, I'm a well behaved journalist. It like, is I a, by it a is
0: an acceptable sacrifice for my satisfaction. <laughs>
1: You were saying, "Be that as it may, be that as it may um the the thing the thing that I found with those first three episodes is that they they did a great job of you know if if you're only going to uh sit there for three straight binged episodes of this to see if you're going to stick with it for the rest of the season, they do a very good job of telling you that, yeah, everything you liked about the first season you're good same 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 kind of deal. We're not repeating the same thing, but you're you're getting. You're getting more of what you like more of what you want it's going to keep moving forward um, and I think by the end of the season I, I the the second episode the depths was still was still pretty prominently one of my favorites um, because it as i I think I alluded to a little bit earlier, there are some episodes in this season and the previous season that work like traditional TV bottle episodes but that still move the plot forward and not just in a Oh, we have the quest medallion. We can leave this dungeon and go save Zelda. That, that kind of gamification crap. There's, there's none of that to it. But we get further development of both Hunk and Lance uh, as team, uh, team players who are going to uh, work together better and progressively get better and better at working together. Um, And, you know, inversion of, of some tropes that you, you think you're being set up for something and yes, fine. I will admit it. I'm the guy who admits this kind of stuff, Yes, a cartoon uh, successfully uh, waved a red herring in front of me, and I, I took the bait <laughs> and was was and was fooled enough to go, aha, aha. Okay, I knew there was, you know, it couldn't have been that simple, and indeed, it was not that simple. Um, it it did so many things that I think are emblematic of what makes the show itself work so well. Is that they are not they are not satisfied to rest on laurels or be lazy, ever, even with something that on paper is okay, this is the bottle episode of these two dudes uh, who have to escape uh, the the mind controlling mermaid civilization that that for me is 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 why when I was trying to think of do I have a favorite episode of the season uh, without even looking at the recaps without looking at the episode descriptions, it just came immediately to mind because it it worked so well. it was so efficient and clean and good. My favorite,
3: I think, I mean, there were so many great episodes in this season, but I think that the the one that really, I don't know, stood out to me was episode five, Eye of the Storm, um, which was the one where everyone is like, okay, we can kind of try to, let's rest, let's try to, you know, so that we, re, mm-hmm. we can rebuild everything, and... It sort of actually reminded me of, uh, maybe maybe deliberately, maybe otherwise, of the Battlestar Galactica episode 33, where they every time they think they're going to, okay, we're away. We have this amount of time to kind of sit and rest. Nope, just kidding. They're they're on to us again. Uh, and they don't, at this point, know why that's happening. Uh, I really love that because it really, like, it showed, there again, like I was talking about earlier, they're on their heels in this season. They're being pursued um because uh doggedly zarkon wants the black lion back and uh uh and they have to try to work together and it's you know it's still got a lot of humor um but the chips are so far down that you think how could they possibly get out of this one and then of course they do um that that was an episode that's the
1: one with the sweaty virus right yeah the the slippery virus (laughs)
3: Yes, that was that one. And, you know, it maybe it was a little convenient that everything everybody was doing kind of worked to save them in the end. But by that point, I was kind of just so so wrapped up in yeah you know uh, how cartoon about unfolding. space
1: robot lines
3: so right you know. exactly <laughs> you, can, you can always uh you know what are the odds that hunk would have been making cookies that are the exact type of glass or you know uh, substance that they need for the the teledav lens i mean come on
2: <laughs> he but, can't read altay and he was just like he, pulling stuff yeah, out <laughs> he was just doing it yeah
3: so like i i, I liked all that stuff um and, and it was a really tense episode and um so many of these episodes are are you know good and exciting but few of them are actually like oh my god they're they're very likely gonna die um uh and so I, that was one for me
0: there were a few moments this season uh where i thought that the humor went a little too silly for my personal taste but then i am not the target audience but
1: well, and you're also a very very serious man well i'm just saying <laughs> um, that i'm just saying um... that the
0: slipperies <laughs> For 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 one of your supporting characters to be basically excreting Astroglide was just it just struck me as unwholesome. I'm just
2: saying.
0: Jesus, just don't like
1: that. It's it's just not right. (laughs) It was an
0: excuse then to
3: get Reese Darby. You know. And being his, goofy who is always great every every yeah. line reading is so good being like I think I might have the slipperies such a funny way to say it
1: yeah he, he said I might have the slipperies and I went I don't know what that is but I know that whatever is happening from this point forward is going to be absolutely hilarious because a character that Reese Darby is playing has a thing called the slipperies and there's no way that's not yeah,
2: it's incredibly
1: farcically slapstick hilariously funny
0: mm. Shannon
1: uh, your go um are you going to take us to the Space Mall, Shannon?
2: I am not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. That, th- there were some fun bits in there. I'm kind of torn. Uh, I like a lot of best laid plans, partly just because I, I am one of those people who just lives for the A-team moment. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going for the Blade of Marmora because yes. Keith is my precious son my baby and I I Keith! <laughs> <and> so... <laughs> but yes um, to this have... door is
0: not for you.
2: <laughs> but to have that that question answered um answered in a hugely dramatic way um and yet not answered because you know all Keith knows now is that he's Galra. He he has no clue as to, you know, was it mom? Was it six generations back? You know, who was the Blade of Marmora in the family? He has no idea. But not just that plot point, but um the character interaction between him and Shiro. I mean, we we know now that they knew each other from way back when somewhere. We we there's lots of fan speculation about uh foster brothers and other things like that, but But to see those two characters, you know, supporting each other and, you know, Shiro supporting Keith completely, um, as he tries, worrying like hell as he does it, supporting Keith as he does it, and then the way the tension ratchets up towards the end when, um shiro is trying to get keith out of there the red lion has gone nuts which is another thing i love about this season the the red lion and i are of one mind Uh, protect the baby Um, but um, (laughs) but um to have them ready to fight to have the castle ship trying to get in there because it sees that the red lion is attacking and they have no clue why the red lion is attacking except that paladins are in danger um and then for Keith to have the moment to say okay this is bigger than me this is really bigger than me take the stupid knife and then yes it's a bit too much i'm trying to remember what the exact name of the trope was that somebody mentioned on tumblr of you know the the reveal of the the pretty princess power or whatever you know the blade wakes up and uh we find out that uh that keith is special but all worked for we me we find out that very, he's very got the well.
1: touch he's got the power
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> yep but oh. yeah that that is one that i, I had to i had really, to really,
1: really love yes <laughs> but can, can i be honest i i almost said blackout um because it is you know as 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 chip was in love with the first episode i am so in love with that climactic throw everything at the wall space battle thing yeah that, uh-huh. mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. it just it was so satisfying that they didn't yes you know i you know no no offense to power rangers fans no offense to power rangers fans but they didn't power rangers every single episode where the you know Voltron comes together and uses right. every single ability and you know yeah. we see we see that over and over and over again. It was so satisfying. You finally got that. your blazing sword, Moises. Oh my I god! Thought yes. You were.
2: Oh my god! That was wonderful. I lost the air
0: last time last podcast you were so definitive that you know something's going to happen and he's going to he's not just going to have the sword he's going to have the blazing sword like Voltron's it's supposed to have. I knew it. I knew and it. I'm I'm sitting back here going okay, Moises, Moises, and and. Damned if you weren't right.
1: <laughs> and you know, you know what else I got? You know, I didn't go crazy about this the last time we, we recorded one of these. But another thing that I was just I was just intent on was why aren't they using Prince Lotor? Why reserve. aren't they?
2: Oh,
1: <laughs> oh because yes. they're they're on their way there. OK. Which
0: is a okay. line that is only really useful to the olds like us. Oh
1: my god. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, but, the guy with the yeah. metal bat helmet. Oh god. Yeah, that well, guy. the creep well, uh, the creep who, who gets massages from No, it from was Underlings. great. No,
2: yeah, it was great to see the division in in fandom uh online to see the, the the half of fandom who for this is their first time around and they're just like, "Who? Okay, he has a kid." All right. And then the and then the shippers are just like, "Lancelot, Lancelot. We have a name." It's like, "Oh guys, you don't even know what they're doing with the character yet." Um <laughs> And then those of us who knew who Lotor was to see, okay, yes, they're bringing him in. And this could get really interesting because now we have a character who is not hampered by the obsession with the Black Lion, who is not stalking his ex like a psycho. We have a character whose motivation looks to be almost certainly, you killed my father, prepare to die. So I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that.
0: Well, let me throw it to Kyle because... Kyle, you're slightly younger than me, <laughs> and you and and you ha- haven't exactly taken uh, Voltron studies, the advanced course as far as uh, as far as the original '80s show.
1: Oh, are, have you been trying to make him watch that stupid vehicle Voltron thing that you're? Shut, with? Up, really? shut up! Shut <laughs> up! Shut up!
0: We're not having just, this conversation right now. Leave that boy alone. I like Kyle. He's a nice boy. You got, okay, you got you got. Uh, sh- I, I'm trying to have a conversation with Kyle here. Hold on, hold your horses.
2: <laughs> um, a kid,
0: of course, I love Vehicle Voltron too. The season finale here had a lot of Easter eggs here for the olds. I'm pretty sure, though, that uh, that wasn't a problem for you.
3: No, I mean, uh, I assumed, and that was a part of what I, I remember watching it a bit when I was a kid. I remember it a little bit better when I w- uh, when they put it on, um, Toonami um, mostly I remember uh, I think it was Peter Colin was doing the announcement at the time and his voice being like Voltron I just thought that was the best uh, but uh, so I didn't remember I don't remember a lot of the, the story arcs and things like that but stuff like uh, Prince Lotor I figured uh, that's that's gotta be that's that's hitting people uh, who know what that means I didn't know who Prince Lotor was but I assume you can't end a whole season on that without that meaning something so but the other thing that I, I, I'm gonna ask you guys who know the, the story better uh, was the same kind of reveal of Hagar being an Altean part of the old show too? Because nope. that one, that one struck no, me no. as That's much new. more, like, oh my God. Like, That's yeah, that was huge lovely to me. new. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. Because, so you have, you have Keith on the one hand learning that he's part Galra, and then you have Hagar, who basically was the villain of the, the, the whole season. I think more so than Zarkon. Zarkon was so focused that mm-hmm. to the point of he was making stupid mistakes. Yeah. Um, so it was up to hagar to actually be the one to uh lead to yeah. enact the plans and and mm-hmm. actually you know she's the one who defended him and in, in, and kind of beat down voltron in certain points so for her to and uh, of course i uh, i loved allura fighting her kind of mono yes. and mono. i thought that was amazing yes. um but the the reveal that oh my god she's an altan as well it, like it just it it crosses so many lines in terms of like we are all kind of fighting each other but that we have all these connections you know human and Altaian mm-hmm. and uh zarka no uh, galra and uh that one that one really stuck out to me so like i wasn't sure if that one was an easter egg or if it was like a new thing and i'm kind of excited to know that it was a new thing that nobody kind of saw coming it is a, that's,
2: thing, that's, as as Allura, all is a new thing just as much as alora pretty much all of alora is a new thing in this show, I talked yeah. about it on the previous episode of season one, loving the fact that she is an active character, she has agency, and she leads. And this season just dialed it up even more. Yeah. I got annoyed a couple of times by, by the fact that she was the one to stay in the castle while everyone else went to the mall. Um, uh, but
1: when, when she eventually gets into one of those lions, you know that's going to be even more satisfying. <laughs>
2: And yes, that's,
0: and, and, that's, and that's sort of what we're expecting. That's sort of what we've been groomed to expect. Uh, the original yes. show, uh, they shuffled uh, Sven off after six episodes, killed him in Japan, turned his twin brother into him um, in America. That appears to be the setup that we've been given is sort of approaching that old status quo, that we think that Keith's going to be the leader of the team. We think that Allura's going to become a Voltron paladin. Um
2: I have theories, but go ahead.
0: Well, what what are your theories? Are, do, you, do you see well, a fake out ahead have, of us?
2: Well, yeah, somewhat, because they have made so much of the fact that Allure is the only one who can, like, open wormholes and and drive the castle— so it's going to be awfully hard for her to be in two places at once. They
0: are not we'll going sh- to put Coran in a lion.
1: I forbid no. it. hey, hey, hey! hey. No, no, Will no, you no. let
2: me finish? Let me I, finish. I, they I, had that I, chance. Red said, "Hell no." Oh. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, I don't,
1: I don't think, I don't think that they're going to stick her with. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody else on with us also watched Centurions, uh, but there was there was a character named Crystal Kane who was like the lady in the space station who made all the crap work. And I don't think that they are going to permanently settle allure with that. And the no. especially toward the end of the season, the amount that she is in the middle of the action and mm-hmm. kicking butt and taking names and everything
2: yeah. makes me feel like... I mean, apparently like, she's a druidess. How, I mean, or yeah, something. How, we, whatever how, turned however her However they
1: shuffle it, they are going to actually let <laughs> Princess Zelda fight, basically. So what's yeah, your what's, yeah, what's yeah, her prediction, Shannon? I'm not
2: saying she's not going to fight, um, but I'm wondering, back in the original show... Um, I believe Pidge had a twin brother named Chip and Chip got involved hey, hey. in things. Um, I am theorizing if they find Matt, that Matt could wind up in a lion mm. if they need, if they, if they need another person. And like I said, I could be totally wrong, but that well, is in, just a speculation. So, so I have.
1: in in the original show, uh, Keith goes to the black lion lance goes to the red lion allura goes to the blue lion right and i I feel like there will be some sort of a shuffle but Mm -hmm. maybe they are going to not maybe they're going to just rotate things one to the left as it were and i i I love the idea of them it, it, it would be totally fine with me if keith ended up being in the black lion and that would that would that would gel and mesh with so many things that they're doing but I wouldn't put it past this creative team to not potentially put a lure in the black lion.
2: Right. I think that's a possibility as well. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's just this season, that was my thought last season. Um partly because they had made such a big deal about the lions choosing the paladins and their personalities meshing um, which they just went to town on this season with the idea that you know that the like Keith and red you know bonded so tightly that red can go across you know half a galaxy to go yeah. to go pick him up the, they also made such a big deal of um, Alora being needed to operate the s- castle and to open the wormhole so I, I, I'm 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 not sure what they're going to do next, and that's fine. I love that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it seems like they had been setting up Keith and the Red Lion and their their ever-growing bond so much in this season that for him to, you know, which, you know, it could be an interesting uh, piece of drama, too, if if he has to, uh, you know, move to and, the Black Lion. And they opened but, that
2: door a tiny bit in the first episode because, you know, Keith is like, look, Black, we've got to go save Shiro. And Black is like, OK, hop in.
0: Yeah.
3: So,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're leaving the door open so many ways that, that you know, fans can speculate in any direction.
0: Mm hmm. It's not like fans are going to do that. Um, speculate, I mean. <laughs> Kyle, any predictions for the future of the series? Not really. I mean, because the, the
3: the crew won, essentially, but it it felt like a very strange and kind of, you know, it wasn't a, a complete victory, as we saw at the end. Um, the Gawar forces are not completely done, and so I think there's going to be maybe a period of kind of confusion on the good guys side because obviously mm-hmm. Shiro was gone they they seems to they seem to have won but um you know and there was that great th- in the second to last episode i believe where they are all standing around being like you know once we win there's there's kind of no need for us to be voltron mm-hmm. anymore so we might go our separate ways so i wonder if there's going to be that kind of like well i guess we won we'll go our separate ways and then uh oh just kidding we need to all come back um that would be again like the, they seem to like splitting everybody apart just to bring them back together again, uh, which I'm completely fine with. So that'd be another, like, like they did with this season, the first few episodes, everybody's kind of splintered doing their own thing, and then they kind of have to reform.
0: Well, it's kind of, the, one of the geniuses of this show is, unlike the 80s version, it's it's not big robot every week, same mm-hmm. plot recycled every week. They've had such, over the last couple of seasons, they've had such great episodes where, the lions are barely seen um not all of the lions are seen um you can get you get some solid power rangers stuff out of these characters even before they get into the big tin cans um yeah. anything mm-hmm. in, anything can happen um i'm pretty sure that whatever does happen is going to sell lots and lots of toys
3: that was the one thing about the toys. Like, I'm I'm very pleased with the toys that they have made. I think it's cool that you can collect the lines individually, or you can just buy Voltron uh, all put together already. But I was like, I I want them to make the individual figures. Like, you know, where's Alora?
2: Where's Alora?
3: Right, exactly. And so I I would love to be like, uh, scale it down a little bit. Make like a a five or six inch. Figure of all the actual the people, which is kind of why I like to watch the show.
0: I believe I have seen a YouTube video from a Toy Fair that uh, indicates that that is on the way. Hooray! Okay, let's see here. Let's we're we're running out of time. Let's uh, some final thoughts. Uh, Favorite moments from the season. I've got two. One we just sort of alluded to, Coran decides that it's time to try to get the uh, red lion um, on his (laughs) side. And he's got the goofy uniform, and I'm sitting here watching going, oh, hell no. And funnily enough, that's exactly the same reaction that the red lion had. And it just wakes up, and you're going, (laughs) and and I was cringing. And it just, it says, the lion basically says, F this S, and just takes off. (laughs) Favorite moment (laughs) of the season. (laughs) Oh... Um, I think
3: mine comes from uh, Escape from Betatraz, which is just a really great kind of, you know, uh, sci-fi adventure episode kind of uh, guy, uh, people on a mission kind of thing. Um, But when Shiro is trying to talk. um, Oh, yes slab out out of out of his cage and he's thinking of all the different possibilities and probabilities in different universes of all this of the, what might go bad and he goes well i'm the you know the the pilot uh the paladin of the black lion and he goes is that the line that has a one point something something you know a uh, number of gigahertz uh or telehertz uh, uh power and he goes yeah and he's like is that a bad thing? No, that's my lucky sis- uh, series of telehertz or whatever. <laughs> like, that's the thing that gets him out. I just I, I love that character all around. And, and then at the end when everybody's OK and then he says something and everyone's like, great, Slav made it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that kind of like nobody really likes him, but he's very, very good at what he does.
0: He's He's, yeah, the, um, he's the one character who broke space dad.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's true. Yeah, uh, I'm also amused uh, in, in rewatching. Um, it turns out that there's another of Slav's species in that first group of prisoners that they rescue in episode one—a uh, brown one—and with all the arms instead of the mm. blue one like Slav. So uh, you know, the little little bits of continuity—they're so great. I have a lot of favorite moments. Um, I think one of them that really worked for me, I think, uh, was um, greening the cube uh, with uh, Pidge. Not only, you know, connecting more to her lion, but also discovering that, you know, for, for for the nerdy kid who stays indoors so she doesn't sunburn and get insect bites, her spirit is one with nature. And that is what she needs to connect to her lion even deeper and produce the big bad gun that, you know, produces tree roots and whatever it hits. Um, that, one, uh, that one really spoke to me.
1: For me, um, just off the top of my head... There there were a lot of really great character moments. The, the stuff that stood out to me as particularly impressive um, and maybe not n- not your conventional, you know, favorite moment type thing. Um, going back to the Blade of Marmora, the mm-hmm. the incredibly well choreographed hand to hand combat stuff that they do in the show mm-hmm. is jaw droppingly well done. Yeah. Um, there are so few cartoons that have a really good sense of space and uh, body dynamics and uh and that that series of of uh of of trials that Keith goes through uh is particularly particularly um enjoyable and uh, going back to uh uh, uh Alora getting to getting to pull out her big stick and uh mm-hmm. and show that she means business uh that was fantastic and phenomenal oh, yeah. and it it um it, it was it was nice that she got to Use it on more than just the other girl, uh, because one of the most tired tropes mm-hmm. in all of adventure cinema and TV and everything is, oh, and now the girls fight because, oh, it would be terrible to make the girl fight boys, because how unfair would that be? Well, <laughs> yeah, unfair for the boys, maybe. Um, <laughs> it was it was it was incredibly satisfying Uh that, again, carrying over so much of what made Korra uh, a great show. Even though she is massively outnumbered within the main cast, she really has uh, – she, she on her own has grown to have the presence of being equal to the collective nature of the boys. hmm I mean, she, she's a space bigot. She is a space bigot, yeah. I should mention.
2: Which, but uh, she repents.
1: But she'll get she, there. She'll, she figures she's, it out. She's, 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 she's correcting herself. She's yes. learning. She's growing.
2: Exactly. Do we get to make any predictions?
0: Let's, uh, let's finish this out with a f- few predictions, yes.
2: Okay. My theory is that uh, Shiro um, has basically been thrown back in time several thousand years in order to be able to jot down on those stone walls a date for Keith. How he gets back, I'm not sure. But somebody, mm. some, somebody has to go back and, and leave that message.
3: Kind of building off of that, I wouldn't be surprised if if Shiro barely features, if at all, in season Mm -hmm. three. I think the lack of Shiro will be such an interesting dynamic for the group that, you know, this void now, the most powerful lion, the most essential and important lion now doesn't have a pilot. I think that's going to... That's going to be an important kind of uh, building block for all the other four and and Allura and uh, Koran as well. So uh, I would be surprised. Literally, I would be surprised if we saw Shira more than maybe once or twice.
1: I, I feel like um, in, the, in the big, big picture, knowing that we've got 78 episodes and about six seasons of stuff and the pace that they go at, I'm tempted to, to say a couple of crazy things. Um, one of them being that, Initially, I was very hesitant to say something that I know would would either make Chip very happy or make him <laughs> damn me for uh, over optimism. I feel like we're going to eventually get the vehicle Voltron um, hmm. because they're they They have they have checked a bunch of the boxes of stuff that you do with regular old Lion Voltron and progressed far enough along that we've we've got. Twice as much left as we have covered in terms of of story ground so far, and that could be an an interesting way to give us a real massive, incredibly crazy. Uh, you know, final finale in the, in the sixth season. I, um, I, 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 it could happen. I, I, have written a spec script. I know exactly how it could work. Joaquin,
0: Lauren, call, <laughs> so, me, many call me. so many of us, so many of us have written
1: spec scripts for so many things. Um, but you know, but mine's bad.
0: Okay. I'll go ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, I uh, hate man. They're, they're making comics and you know, you should, you should, you should talk to those people. You should talk to those line forge people. Um, Yeah, it feels like they are making everything count and not and not selectively going, yeah, we like all the source material, but let's just leave this chunk of it off. It it feels like it feels like that gives that gives us another another giant robot to assemble uh, an additional bit of supporting cast to assemble. Um, I, I hope that, you know, we we've got another member of the crew in their in their jailbroken buddy. And I hope we get more of those, uh, you know, kind of weirdo people that, that go along on the adventure and maybe that's how they populate, uh, pilots for a bunch of, uh, vehicles, uh, that form another giant robot. Um, since it, since it seems pretty obvious that however they have this thing done in terms of the licensing deal, this is, this is the, the new series based on the bolted together, uh, Voltron property as it was licensed in the States. And I I do not think it is as impossible as I once did that Vehicle Voltron was completely off the table. Because they gotta sell toys, man. <laughs> once they put out Alora and all the paladins, you know, what, what what comes in wave four of the toys? A whole nother Voltron is what should come. <laughs>
0: but I wanted to write ah uh, well. I I don't have I don't have a whole lot of predictions. I do have hopes though. Um I hope that Matt Holt does not become your uh, fifth member of the, uh, of your fifth Paladin or whatever. Um, Cause I do think that, I th- think that the show could use a little bit more gender balance than it's got right That's now. True. Um, That's true. But I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing potentially or probably uh, a Laura um, in one of the lions. I'm looking for more development for Lance. It is his turn. Um, uh, I want to get to know I want to get to know Pidge even better. Um, Pidge is probably going to mature some uh, as we go along, um, and it'll be interesting to see which turns she takes. But I'm just I'm just thrilled to have such a good adventure show um, to to tune into periodically. My only frustration is I almost want them to be dribbling and drabbling it out every week uh, because the the wait in between seasons is just killer. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You just want more. I, you know, the, the more we talk about Allura going into a lion, the more I, I, I feel pretty solid predicting that she's going to end up uh, jumping into the black lion. And we've, we've been faked out. Uh, and, and the what, what Shannon was saying about the, the further connection to the red lion, I think that's what's going to keep them from just telegraphing the way that things went back in the old days mm-hmm. in terms of, of where they shuffled people around. And and it would it would make it I would feel better about Allura uh, running the show from the head lion than running it from the safe confines of the of the spaceship.
0: Or possibly a little bit of a conflict between Allura and Keith. We could be setting up Keith as the sort of the tactical battle battlefield commander and Allura as the general. He could be the battlefield commander um from an arm just as easily as he could be from a head. Yeah. Um I mm-hmm. and I, that is that will be my prediction that there will be leadership conflict um between Keith and Alora now that now that they've come to accept each other now it all falls apart again because they've got you know they've got different jobs to do. Um Yeah. And you know you'll you'll see conflict between Keith and Lance in a similar way, but I think that's oh, yeah. the that's the dark horse there for me is that uh, Allura and Keith are going to have to figure out how to take turns leading, perhaps. That's my prediction. Voltron, Legendary Defender season season three, reported rumored to be coming out later this year. I can't wait, but who knows exactly when it's going to come out. Uh, I'm just very, very confident that there will be more. Um, Kyle Anderson at Nerdist, yes. you wrote about Voltron a lot. How can people find what you've done? Well,
3: you can go to, um, Nerdist.com and, uh, and just search Voltron. Cause I think I've written everything that is on our site about Voltron. Uh, you can also, I want to kind of plug a little bit if I can, uh, If anybody who is listening is going to be at WonderCon at the beginning of, uh, or at the end of March, the beginning of April, and want to go see the Voltron panel, I have been asked to moderate said panel, and I'm very excited to do so. So um, that's going to be Saturday evening, uh, April 1st uh, at 5.30 p.m. I don't know which room it's in yet, but um, uh, it's all sort of preliminary at this point. But if you are fans of Voltron and want to uh, hear from the cast and crew, I will be leading that discussion at wondercon i'm very excited in anaheim (laughs) although it's in anaheim so i'm not that excited about it but
0: (laughs) well well, thank you kyle for joining the incomparable family for this podcast i hope we see you around again sometime
3: absolutely thanks so much for inviting. surely surely
0: you care about more things than just voltrons i mean
3: it's it's a hard sell but i think i might be able to talk about some other stuff too
0: moises shannon shall we get together uh when season three drops
1: Oh yeah! I, I, yeah, I, th- I think I think we should bring <laughs> this guy back too. Uh, oh, I'd happily come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds great. And uh,
1: if uh, if if I can throw a a, a couple of plugs in. Uh, that uh, that may be relevant. Uh, I, I'm uh, my uh, my signature show, Electric Shadows, coming back off a hiatus relatively soon. Uh, you can find it in iTunes, uh, pretty much everywhere other than Stitcher um, uh, or NPR One. Um, but uh, yeah, coming back with an with an episode with uh, Matthew Lewis, better known to a lot of us as Neville Longbottom from the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be dropping a bonus episode uh, relatively shortly after that with uh, Neil Kaplan. And, uh, Kimberly Brooks from nice. Voltron Legendary Defender, Emperor Zarkon and Allura themselves, um, interviewed them just as season one was dropping. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, uh, perfectly as evergreen now as it, uh, as it would have been back then. Uh, but I, I wanted to hang on to it. Until we got more Voltron out there. Um, and if if uh, if any of you are are staying away from the hellscape that's Anaheim, uh, the uh, final weekend <laughs> of March, first weekend of April and happen to be in Dallas at Fan Expo Dallas, uh, I'm going to be kind of their their main stage uh, uh, on stage Q&A host dude. Um, we've got, um, let's see, a bunch of the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, including Tim Curry, oh, uh, wow. Mark Hamill doing his first uh, <gasps> Dallas convention um, we'll be, I think, doing a, a redux of a panel that I did with him and Kevin Conroy last fall at Fan Expo Canada, uh, talking about, uh, Batman, the animated series and the now 25th anniversary year of that storied and magnificent, uh, now wow. franchise, uh, that it's become, uh, Carl Urban, uh, I, yes, I will probably ask him six different questions about Judge Dredd, uh, <laughs> which also is turning 40 this year, just like Star Wars. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, a really killer, insane, uh, comics guest lineup. Uh, we're, we're borrowing Jim Lee on Sunday. He's going to be at WonderCon Friday and Saturday, but, but he's going to swing through the Lone Star State to sign a bunch of comic books and maybe do some sketches. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's the first big, uh, convention of my calendar year, uh, doing my, uh, crazy onstage Q and a gig, which is, uh, one of the stranger, uh, side, acquisitions i've made in this uh, crazy <laughs> podcasting world
2: <laughs> I, I am not of the entertainment industry unfortunately um so i don't have any of those great wonderful things to talk You're about
1: revolutionizing I'm education and saving education <laughs> trying uh, from the clutches of doom
2: <laughs> no um, I, I am going to be at 221 b con but uh, that's another fandom um in atlanta <laughs> um in april but yeah and, and try to I'm going to try to start figuring out how to drop Voltron references into the audio guide to Babylon 5 and I can just keep annoying Erica Ensign even more um even more than dropping Hamilton references. We can do that. Um but that is uh what Chip and I do. Uh Chip. Chip. Chip!
1: I keep trying to call him back on Skype, but it's like he's not there. Chip's gone. <laughs> well, I I guess uh i i i don't even know what to do chip knows how to do this so much better than i do uh uh yeah uh yeah uh my my podcast network is at esn.fm and uh, i've got a, a comic book uh podcast with John meter jr coming out and uh i just uh, uh oh 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 okay i uh, just just think what would jason do what would jason do uh jason jason would uh, act like Chip, just uh, just a, a little bit less of a fanboy. All right. OK, uh, so uh, this has been the TV <laughs> podcast talking about Voltron Legendary Defender Season 2 on Netflix. Now, if you haven't binged it, then why did you listen to all of this podcast? Thanks again to our esteemed panelists, the magnificent Shin Souther. Thanks for joining us this evening.
2: Absolutely. Good thing we were
1: done. And. Nerdist slash Nerdist dot com slash the internets. Kyle Anderson, welcome uh, for your first time out. And we will have you back many, many times, uh, sometimes maybe against your will, uh, against your better judgment. Who knows? Thank you, Kyle. Oh, thank you so
3: much. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, any any old time, I'd love to talk about any <laughs> anything at all. Whoever will listen to me. I want to talk about we,
1: we should <laughs> we should in this long gap, especially since Chip is gone, you know, to a vortex we should probably make you watch the original Voltron series, both of them, uh, and you know, just to pass the time. And or at Chip least the ten involved, episodes
2: that Netflix is putting out.
1: <laughs> ten episodes.
2: Yeah, I don't know which well, ten. <laughs> I'm
1: yeah, I'm confused about what that even is. Uh, so the, uh, I'm Moisés Chuyan, your uh, incredibly under-equipped uh, surprise guest replacement host. Uh, I'll try to attach a few more adjectives onto that. Uh, this is the Incomparable. This is the TV podcast. We'll be back. Voltron Season 3. Thanks for listening.